Brian Bellick. I'm glad to be joined by my partner, Dennis Green. Welcome to the Coaches Show podcast. Here we go. Third down and goal for the Jets. Down 3-0 to the Cardinals at the one-yard line. McElroy, play action, rolling to his right at the five, flips it, end zone, wide open, Cumberland, touchdown! The first touchdown pass of Greg McElroy's career gives the Jets the lead. Well, Denny, obviously, uh, uh, quarterback, backup quarterbacks, third-string quarterbacks, who should be playing, who shouldn't seems to be dominating the NFL landscape right now. Let's start with the game that I had for Fox. Uh, the other day, Arizona at the New York Jets, both having quarterback issues. Let's begin with the Jets and uh, the benching of Mark Sanchez uh, for uh, uh, McElroy, who came in and actually sparked them a little bit and lead them to a, a sterling 7-6 to win at home. You know what? I mean, sometimes you have to kind of take a guy out of his misery, particularly at home. You know, I mean, home in a way, it, it does make a difference uh, because the fans can be so excitable and so upset and, you know, they're booing and everything. Then it's hard for a guy to focus and to concentrate. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, I think the the hard part that I had with it and I commented on air was um, when, you, when you pull your quarterback, and we're not talking about a rookie, we're not talking about a guy that had a great year and then just had a bad game and, and needed to just step away from it or, or uh, you were fearful that you were playing so bad you were going to get him hurt. This is Mark Sanchez, who's had a very poor year, had a terrible outing against a very good defense, obviously, in Arizona. And my point, and I made the point on air, that when in these circumstances, in this city, when you pull your starting quarterback – I don't know that you can ever go back to him. Now, I, I don't mean that literally. You could certainly, and Rex Ryan could choose to go back to him this week. They've got a stretch of games here that is uh, very winnable for them in terms of starting at Jacksonville. Uh, so he could very easily go back to Mark Sanchez. Obviously, they thought going in that this is going to be the guy that gives them the best chance to win, and they could use that same line. But my point being that when you pull a starting quarterback under those circumstances, under the career that Mark Sanchez has had, um, I don't know how you put him back in, even if it's figuratively, meaning, yeah, we can put him back in, but unless he just lights it up over the next month, um, we're in the market for a quarterback in the offseason. Yeah, and he, and he could light it up. The other good thing is three out of the four games are on the road. I mean, you said they're at Jacksonville, then they're they're at Tennessee, and, and they're in their home against the Chargers, and they're at Buffalo. So three out of four games on the road. Uh, can you go back to Sanchez? You know, normally you can't, but I, I think things are they're just changing in NFL. I don't think all the rules that you and I grew up under, all the rules that we heard for years and all the rules I think that we use, I don't know if they necessarily apply now. And and I, I look at, at, at the, the team and I say, you know what, if there was a time, and you, you made the move, Rex made the move, if there was a time to say it's Tebow time, and, I, and you're talking about open up a can of worms, but – on the road at Jacksonville, uh, you know what? I think you either go back to Sanchez and say, okay, here goes a great chance to win three or four of the next three or four games. The next two games on the road, he surely he – just think this. As bad as the fans have been with Sanchez, if they win at Jacksonville, if they win at Tennessee, believe me, they'll almost give him a standing ovation when he comes back and plays home against the Chargers. I mean, that's yeah. just that's just the way it is. But if, you're not, if you don't think that way, then you say, well, you know what? What about Tebow and some of that Jacksonville magic that he has? So I think you either go at Sanchez, go back to him, 
or and with the idea that he just got relieved. You know, it just didn't work out. Uh, it worked. We, we relieved you. It was the right decision because we won, but you're still our starting quarterback. Or you say, you know what? At this stage, we're still in the hunt. I think maybe we should give Tebow his chance. But I think it's one of the two. McElroy, I don't think there's any reason to, to go with him. Yeah, you know, and part of it has to do with the priorities that Rex has got to create now for his team, for himself, uh, to show his owner that I can, still can control this thing. You know, these are all very winnable games. That being the case, at the heart of it, I guess my question is, if I'm Rex Ryan, do I really believe that Mark Sanchez can be a guy that we can win a championship with? I've been in two championship games with him, all but as a young player. Do I think he's that guy? If I, in my heart and hearts, believe that, by all means, I'm going to put him back in. But if I question that, I, again, Tebow, I, I can put him in with the teams I'm playing. We may sweep it, and then I got a nightmare. Right. Now the world says I got to stay with Tebow, and I know <laughs> I can win a championship with the guy. I agree. I think McElroy is just a guy. So I don't, even though I have said, once you pull Mark Sanchez, you can't go back. If you don't put him back in, he's done as a New York Jet. So let me ask you that, Coach. Do you think Mark Sanchez is capable of being a starter in this league that you can win a championship with? I, I think he's definitely good enough to be a starter. Uh, whether I don't know how many quarterbacks you can win a championship with, but I think you know he has started. Uh, he has been in the playoffs. They have had you know relative success in the playoffs. I, I just think right, you know, and we'll talk maybe. I just don't know if if, if he's has all the options maybe system wise. When he's playing quarterback, I mean, you you and I know this. People don't talk enough about systems, but I I think that he's good enough, and I also think that they're going to be nine and seven. Now nine and seven means you know it's clear Indianapolis is going to be one wild card. Okay, I think that's that's going to be clear. You know the the. The Steelers might not be better than nine and seven. You know what I'm saying? So they've got a legitimate chance still to be a playoff team. And so I would look at it that way. If you think that last year that Tim Tebow and Tebow time was a fluke, and when he got the the Broncos to be hot and they got into the playoffs, if you think it was a fluke and we never should have brought him here, then leave him on the bench and I think go back to Mark Sanchez and say, look, Mark, we've got the next two games against Jacksonville, Tennessee on the road. We've got to win those two games. You know what I mean? And and I think he's got one of those choices. Now, one thing we know is he could have taken the way out and said right from the start, McElroy's our starting quarterback or um, going back to Sanchez. He didn't do either one of those. So now he's just created more intrigue and more uncertainty about the coaching uh, at coaching quarterback decision. Yeah, I agree. If he, if he had the conviction that I'm talking about uh, that it would require to put Mark Sanchez back in, as your starting quarterback, I believe he would have said it before now. Uh, let's flip it on the other side. And boy, talk about a quarterbacking issue. It was it was hard to watch what was going on on the other side of the field with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, clear, clearly, Ryan Lindley, a sixth-round draft choice out of San Diego State, who I'm sure when they took him were glad to have him. Thought, you know, might probably be a developmental guy. Maybe we'll see if we have something. Had no idea that he'd be end up starting for them in New York against the New York Jets in that multiple scheme. Clearly too big for him right now. Doesn't mean the kid can't play, but it's too big for him right now. Um, let's talk about what, what Arizona needs to do going forward. They're clearly out of it. Obviously, they have no chance of making the playoffs sitting here at 4-8. and eight. Uh, But they've got bigger issues to try to, if nothing else, decide 
we need to decide or see what it is we have here on campus, so to speak, and decide how much of a priority it is in the offseason to go get a quarterback, which right now it looks like it would be a heavy priority. Well, I think, number one, they've got a tremendous defense. I mean, they, those guys can play some defense. They force turnovers. They get pressure on the quarterback. They do everything extremely well. You know what? I, I can remember back all the way back in 1992, we told, you know, Brad Johnson, now stay out of the way. You are not going to play. Don't even think about it. A number three quarterback, you had bad luck if your number three quarterback is playing. That means that your first two guys got hurt and maybe even a guy that you would bring in with some experience got hurt also. Before you get to your number three quarterback, he ought to be about your fifth choice to get into the ball game. And so I, I think that now, you know, the, we don't know. I guess we've heard very little about the severity of this ribs with cough because that was supposed to be original starter. I think you almost have to go back to Skelton. I mean, Skelton did have some success. I don't know necessarily if they feel he didn't play well this year, but I know he had some success last year. But clearly, you know, Lindley is not ready for this style of play as a first-year player. And very few. You can't look at at uh, Andrew Luck and say, look what's going on with Andrew Luck or RG3. And those are different exceptions. Most first-year players are not ready to play. Yeah, I, I think I still think Kevin Cobb has some potential. Uh, if if indeed he's healthy enough, I think they have to have that answer that answer to that question by season then. If he's healthy enough, I got to ride and see because I don't think Skelton's the answer. Lindley's too far away, uh, if ever. Um, we've we've invested some things in Cobb. I don't know that the free agent market this off season is going to be any good. I know the college market for where Ken Wisenhunt's at right now to draft a quarterback and to think that that's going to be the answer for him may not be an option available for him, maybe the organization, but not him. Uh, I don't know that I'm not hoping Kevin Cobb can get healthy. I can protect him well enough and see if uh, we can recapture some of the things that he did when we were 4-0 and see if indeed he's the guy going forward. Under center, Kaepernick on first down from the 36, going to play fake drop. They stay in the help protect. Kaepernick scrambles out. That's right. He can run for a while. Kaepernick going to the sideline. Got a block to the 50. Down the far side of the 40. Kaepernick 30. Cuts back 20. Kaepernick inside the 15 of St. Louis. Let's talk about another quarterback situation where he builds on what we talked about last week. San Francisco 49ers surprisingly losing to St. Louis uh, and obviously going with Cal- uh, Colin Kaepernick who did not play poorly. It's not like he turned the ball over. They, as a team, did not play well enough to beat St. Louis, which was a bit of a surprise. Uh, I know you were very adamant about you wouldn't have benched uh, Alex Smith to begin with. Uh, I'm on the side of the fence along with that mentality. I don't certainly think Kaepernick did anything to warrant benching uh, and to going back to Alex Smith. By the same token, Alex Smith probably didn't deserve the benching he got. Well, you know what? I think that that's where they find themselves now. And, you know, it's it's a little tricky because they just played the Rams a few weeks ago and wound up in a tie, which rarely happens in the NFL. I mean, they run up, went, you know, regular time, uh, you know, overtime, and it was still a tie. The game ended a tie. The game yesterday almost ended a tie, too. Another low-scoring game, 16-13. to 13. So I think that the 49ers are not being as explosive 
as they were offensively at one point. And I know what, what Kaepernick is, and I think he's a very talented player, but I think where you run the risk is that all of a sudden the locker room gets a little confused. And that's what you don't ever want the players to be confused. You and I know the one thing that when guys come in and see you, they'll say, Denny, I knew you were going to do this, or Brian, I knew you were going to do this, or I was surprised when you did that. You don't like to hear them say, I have a hard time believing you did that. I was surprised when you did that. And so I think right now it's going to be really crucial for them. Now, if they make the decision to, you know, to stay there, that's great. They've got Miami coming to town. Miami is an average team. They are five and six. So this is this is not that you know one and eleven or you know Miami team from a few years ago. This is a team that that has a uh, has a chance to to be pretty decent, and they've got to make up their mind whoever it's going to be, and they get that offense going a little bit. Now Miami plays pretty good defense also, so this is crucial for them because they seem to be sputtering a little bit. Yeah, I think it's an opportunity. I mean, obviously they have the conviction that Colin Kaepernick is going to be their guy. Uh, that you know, Seattle's nipping at their heels a little bit, and Seattle actually had probably the easier schedule because they still have Arizona, Buffalo, and St. Louis on the schedule. The head-to-head with San Francisco could be crucial. Uh, I think they used the Miami game to give Kaepernick and the team a chance to rebound a little bit because there again, Kaepernick did not play poorly. You can't look at that and say, okay, he cost them the game. Uh, they just for some reason. Uh, don't match up well with St. Louis, but I think the Miami game gives you an opportunity to kind of get some of that mojo back that they had going with the huge wins that they've had under Kaepernick, play good defense, continue to run the ball. Uh, it's, when you look at the game, it's just hard to understand how they actually lost the game to St. Louis because they're clearly a better team. Let's stay on the quarterbacking scene. Last night we saw the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles, really a, a very good game. Uh, surprisingly, for those who think Dallas is, is good enough to make a run at this thing, um, it was a great game at 38-33, to 33, obviously. Uh, the depressing thing upon Dallas is they gave up 33 points to a Philadelphia Eagles team that basically is out of it, did not look like uh, they were you know, really engaged in wanting to play. Uh, and it leads to the question, Nick Foles, for my money, looked okay. Certainly continuing for Philadelphia in terms of let's continue to find out what we have for this guy. It certainly didn't look too big for him uh, as you lead to that decision, key decision in the offseason. Do I let Michael Vick go or do I pay him the $15.5 million by keeping him on the roster? I think that decision's already been made. I think they're going to let him go. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think, though, it starts with Andy Reid, though. I just don't think Andy's going to be back. Uh, he probably will take the year off. Uh, next year, and then come back in the 2014 season. He's young enough that he, you know, he shouldn't be out of the game. He should still be coaching, but I think he probably does need a year off. And I think just to get a chance to recoup and 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 kind of get back and get that enthusiasm, everything that you'd love about the game. It's a tough game, and I think it's tough for them. Uh, you know, it, it, Michael Vick. Uh, you know, if you looked at two years ago and say, what's it going to be like? They said it was going to be incredible. You know, but I still think that Michael Vick has not been a good match for this West Coast system. I think it's it's pure. It, it, there is not a lot of room to to deviate from it. I think that's why when you say that how those foes look, he looks okay. Well, he looks okay because he's running a system that is very concrete. It's etched in stone. He's got Marty Morningwig, who you know learned it back in 1989, playing center. Uh, as an equipment manager or semi-equipment manager, volunteer coach, give it name, whatever you want to, and, and he knows it like the back of his hand. And I think that Foles can operate that offense. So that's what 
Uh, Andy Reid has said, okay, you're going to take it the rest of the way. Hopefully they keep me healthy. It's going to be tough because their line is not doing a very good job. But that means also that Michael Vick, who has still had some effects from the concussion, maybe he's ready this week. Maybe he's ready but not able to practice this week. But he's surely going to be ready in two or three weeks. And right as of now, they've said that Michael Vick is not going to be the starter, which means that when it comes to all season. That money that Michael signed, a hundred something million dollar contract, in which very few, uh, very few of those dollars were guaranteed, they're probably going to make him a pure free agent, and then the question comes up: Who wants him? And I think when that question comes up, it probably should not be a team that plays the West Coast offense because I don't think it's a very good fit. Yeah, I think Philadelphia's unique situation with all the things going on there to change their quarterback position uh, this week. Andy Reid fires longtime defensive line coach in this league, Jim Washburn, obviously a uh, residual effect of the letting go of Juan Castillo. Obviously there's issues going on uh, behind the scenes as well. Uh, Andy's in as tough a position as you're going to find it. Uh, I think it's very clear cut to everybody that Andy's not going to be back. That's supposition on my part, but I think fairly substantiated by what we're seeing. Unique to that situation, I think Andy Reid, with his relationship with Mr. Lurie, recognizing that he's probably not going to be back, is in conjunction with Mr. Lurie and the organization saying, okay, what do we need to get done? What do I need to help you get done going forward? One of them is they need to find out if Nick Foles is going to be a guy going forward. So, okay, we'll get that done. Uh, Michael Vick, I just can't imagine them keeping him. So that will be addressed, obviously, once the offseason. All right, what about this coaching staff? Howard Mudd decided he's going to retire yet again. Jim Washburn, I'm going to help you retire. I'm going to let you go now because obviously this is not a good fit. Uh, and Andy Reid, uh, unique to his situation with a long time in Philadelphia, is helping orchestrate these things. And then we'll, uh, we'll see his exit at the end of the season. And the Eagles will, will go forward in whatever way uh, they think best. So it, it is interesting to see the thing unfold uh, in that way. Um, on the flip side of it, you know, Dallas is a team. I've got them this week against Cincinnati. And this is going to be an intriguing game. Cincinnati's playing very, very well. I, quite frankly, was shocked at how how well Philadelphia was able to move the ball against uh, uh, the Dallas defense. I thought they would play much better. I'm talking about the defense. Romo did his normal thing where, you know, he made some incredible plays and showed why you kind of fell in love with Tony Romo. But uh, the Dallas Cowboys obviously feel that they're right there. Well, they do, and but one of the problems, you know, they have not been able to get a pass rush defensively, so that that is uh, what's hurt them. But they're six and six now, on six and six right now. Big game against Cincinnati. Cincinnati's right in the thick of things. They're going to bring their A game. Cincinnati can bring a pretty good A game, and I think that's going to be a very good, uh, you know, AFC NFC two teams fighting for a wild card berth uh, in that type of a scenario. So that's going to be, uh, you know, pretty exciting. Hilton and Avery to the left. Allen one of five wideouts. Three on the right side. Last play of the game. Who's going to win it? Luck rolling out to the right. Dumps it off to Donnie Avery. To the flag. Goal line. Touchdown. Donnie Avery. Colts win. Colts win. Colts win. 34-33. The final. They come from behind at Detroit. Win number eight of the season. Let's go to another game that was pretty exciting. Indianapolis playing Detroit. And Andrew Luck continues to show well i'll ask you the question because i hear it being bantered about <laughs> the most impressive rookie performance by a quarterback we've ever seen 
Well, you know what? I, I think so, because I tell you what, if you back away from the TV, and I did it yesterday, I backed away from the TV so I couldn't see what the number was. He looked like Peyton Manning playing that offense, if you ask me. The offense looked good. The offense looked the same. Uh, he's hitting the open guy. He's dropping back. He's rolling out. He's play-action fake. Uh, he's getting guys up on the line. He's running the quick count drills. I mean, he looks absolutely fabulous. And the, the accuracy of his throws. Now, you know, what we're seeing is that this guy, and I, I'll go back, he's coming to the game as ready to play as any quarterback probably in, in a long time. In other words, from his days being tutored, you know, by David Shaw at Stanford University, and we'll give a little shout-out to David. And David coached for you, and David played for you at Stanford, coached for you at Baltimore. He has he has uh, that Stanford team playing some fabulous football. They beat as USC, uh, UCLA for the second time in a row. They're going to the Rose Bowl. They're ranked, I don't know, 8th, 6th, 7th, depending what they're going to be at the end. Andrew Luck comes in after being tutored in that system, and he looks as quarterback ready to be a pro player as any quarterback you'll find. I mean, it is unbelievable. And only getting better every week because each week he plays better. His accurate throws, accuracy of throws, his poise, his ability to move the team is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, and, and you know, everybody says, well, remember, look how, how excited we got with Cam Newton last year. The difference being, and certainly Cam Newton put up some good numbers, but the impressive thing to me is not necessarily just the sheer statistics, but he's doing it and winning, and he's on an 8-14. He's not doing it just letting it fling around like, okay, what does it care if we lose another game? I'm going to learn here. I'm going to learn the only way you really can learn, playing and throwing the ball. So he's doing it and legitimately trying to win games and find his way into the playoffs. So given that combination, uh, yeah, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a rookie that performed uh, any better than Andrew Luck certainly given the circumstances. You know, on the flip side of that, uh, Detroit is such a disappointment. I, I think Jim Schwartz is in a situation, you know, it was one thing for them to overcome and change the culture that they did and find their way into the playoffs uh, after, you know, that the legendary 0-16 team. Jim Schwartz deserves a lot of credit for it. Then once they got to the playoffs, now it added another level of, okay, now we're ready to see just is this team really very good, and as it turns out, they're not. Well, they they're losing games that they have a chance to win. I mean that that's the only, you know, caveat is that it's not like they're going out being blown out. They are they are losing games that they have a legitimate chance to win. Uh, they had Johnson was back on his game. He looked incredible yesterday. Uh, you know, Matthew Stafford looked pretty good yesterday. They don't have the run game. They don't have the complete game. Defensively, they're extremely, you know, inconsistent. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, in the NFC North is pretty good this year. So I, I think that's part of the problem that they've got, you know, dealing with Green Bay and and, uh, and they've got themselves in a situation now where, you know, Green Bay and Chicago are the top two dogs. And then with the rest of the schedule, it's just not there for them. Well, and you, let's, let's, I want to I uh, dig a little deeper on a subject you brought up because I know you, you're very passionate about it and you have some observations about, you know, we're beating up a lot of quarterbacks right now. And your point earlier was, well, maybe we ought to beat up on some coordinators. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't say it that way now. <laughs> you know, I've been 
<laughs> I know how to stir it up. But let's uh, let's talk about that a little bit about uh, questioning a little bit about some of the systems that are being run out there. Well, I, I just think that you know some of the quarterbacks are, are giving themselves a better chance to win because of the system that they're in, and they're in a proven system. They're not inventing the wheel. It's a system that has worked. It has worked for a long you know period of time, and you know you've got to match up the quarterback. I mean, it, it's like you know uh, you know. You take New England and Texas, you know, and and um, you know, and you say, well, what's the difference? Well, they're they're different systems, but Texas is the the pure West Coast system, and and New England's got a proven system that's worked. That Tom Brady can get up and spread people around, and the ball goes inside as well as it goes outside. I, I look at the Jets, and I'm just wondering, is is it a good fit? Is, are we giving the system? Is the system giving, you know, uh, Sanchez as good a chance to win? You know, as say shop. You know what I mean. In other words, I know that we say that the Jets were a playoff caliber team. We say the Texans are a playoff caliber team. But are they using a a tried and true offensive system that's giving the quarterbacks the best chance to win? And I don't I don't think they are. I think that Texans system that they're using offensively is giving Shaw a much better chance to find outlet receivers. To spread the ball around gives him a better chance to have a higher completion percentage because the difficulty of throw is not as uh, as urgent. You don't have to thread it. You don't have to get the ball to the wide receivers. And we know that one of the things that has hurt the Jets is they don't really have the receivers now. The injuries that have hurt the receivers to the point where now we need a system that says now we can't just plug in two new receivers who aren't as talented and try to get the ball to them because they're not as good, that you need to be able to get the ball to other people, tight ends, underneath, backs, crossing, inside slot receiver for for five-yard throws that can turn into a lot more, and I don't see the Jets having that type of system. Yeah, and you know, one of the great things about this job uh, that I do, Joy, for the last five years, I get to sit in a different facility every Friday, visiting with coaches, players, looking at film. Uh, with, with no other agenda other than just saying, hey, what's this team about and, and how good are they? A uh, couple things that jump out of me looking at from that perspective, and it's a term we use a great deal. I kind of got my, my little rant in that, in my opinion, nobody runs the West Coast anymore, West Coast system. It's, it's a silly term because everybody runs the West Coast. Everybody, every offense in the National Football League has some element that you could trace back to you know, uh, seeing the roots that we're so familiar with, Bill Walsh, the San Francisco 49ers. So in the sense that everybody is running some concepts of it, uh, that nobody, in its, in, particularly in its purest form, runs the West Coast system anymore. Uh, and, and I think that's very, very real. Secondly, and I learned this from Tony Dungy, when, when, you, uh, when Tony Dungy and I worked for you in Minnesota, and I learned so much from Tony, watching how he prepared for offenses. A lot of my basic fundamental beliefs in how you orchestrate an offense and call plays comes from, of course, not only working with you, but watching how Tony prepared to stop defense, stop offenses. And I will tell you, sitting in these facilities Friday after Friday and looking at the film, I believe very much in what Tony Dungy told me years ago. There are guys that orchestrate and call a system and a philosophy, and then there's guys that just call plays. Okay. How do we real rhyme or reason? They just seem to be calling play. And, and I think we see, I think that is more of what I see when I think about what you're talking about, that, that some quarterbacks are a little bit victim to the fact that they're in some system and have some, some teams that are just, just calling play. Well, and the reason for that, though, be, is because they have the playbook. 
but they don't necessarily understand the foundation. So who's teaching the coordinator the foundation of what they're teaching and who's teaching the coordinator to teach the quarterback? And I think that so many times that's the case. And I'm not going – from that point now, I'm not going to call names out or even teams out. We're going to just talk philosophy because I don't think that's fair. But I think it's pretty clear that there are some guys that don't know the system that they are trying to teach. And as a result, it's a disadvantage to the quarterback. There are other guys that are just phenomenal at it, and and they normally have a system that's well in place that whoever comes in says, okay, this is it. I will say this. I can remember back when I was with the 49ers, you know, Bill Walsh had, uh, you know, Sam White, who was a coordinator in 79 through like 83, and then he had uh, Paul Hackett that was a coordinator 84 through 85 or 6. Then I was supposed to be the coordinator, you know, 86, 88. Mike Holmgren was the coordinator 89. 91. Every guy that was supposed to be the coordinator, you know, Joe Montana knew as much about the system as the guys that came in. I mean, it was already established. Who knows the most about the system? Bill Walsh and Joe Montana. And and I think that if you look at that New England, who do you think? I will name a name. Who do you think knows the most about that system? You know what I mean? Tom Brady. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. You look. Yeah. Oh you God. you look at you look at Green Bay. Who do you think knows the most about that system? Aaron Rodgers. You look at New Orleans. Who do you think knows the most about that system? Drew Brees. You know what I mean? That's just the way it is. And so those guys have an advantage because they're in a system that they know so well that's consistent and gives them options that they throw the ball to a lot of different people. And so that that's in that regard, that's what I mean when I keep saying the system. The system has to give you a chance to be able to run the ball without dictating that this is a running formation and we're going to run. This is a passing formation and we're going to pass, which gives the defense an advantage. And these, these guys that I mentioned that are, that, are doing, that are doing well, they're doing well because they're in a system that gives them a lot of options that look the same, but they do everything from it. Yeah, before we uh, – I want to get into one final little subject here before we leave. Got to mention uh, Seattle-Chicago. I, I think it's substantial that Seattle was able to get a road win against the Chicago in the way that they did. Plus, with the uh, schedule they've got coming up, Arizona at Buffalo, that San Francisco game is going to be huge. I'm not sure, A, to me, Seattle's probably got the best inroads to make the wild card spot. And, B, I'm not so sure they might not have a chance to catch San Francisco in that San Francisco has New England and Seattle up to play. That's right. And and also I think that San Francisco is now playing as well. And and the little rookie quarterback is playing on the road. I mean, everybody, oh, you can't win on the road. Well, wait a minute. They're not that good a team, yet they're having trouble winning on the road. It's not that he is not playing well on the road. It's that Russell Wilson and the whole team is. And now all of a sudden they go on the road and get a win. And you start saying, you know what, if we say – that Andrew Luck is so impressive. And then we have to say, well, is 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 RG3 more impressive than Russell Wilson? You have to say, well, I don't know, because those two guys are very impressive also as first-year rookie quarterbacks. And they're yeah, as different as night and day. Yeah, and it gives you a chance to move past the, you're right, now Russell Wilson doesn't have to hear, Seattle doesn't have to hear, oh, well, we, we can't win on the road. Well, yeah, you can, we did. So let's move on to the next objection, <laughs> Just like Atlanta, that was a big win against New Orleans because it was, well, okay, you're all well and good, and you've won a bunch of games, but you can't really beat New Orleans when you need to. Well, yeah, we did, so now let's move on to the next criticism. Right. I think those were huge games for those teams for those reasons. Yep. Uh, and then finally, let's, uh, you know, the other one, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers and, and the Baltimore Ravens, 
you know, I'm here in the Baltimore area, and of course they're beating up the Ravens for not getting the ball to Ray Rice enough. He only had 13 touches. The play calling's terrible. Hey, at the end of the day, you got to give Pittsburgh credit. They chewed up the clock. Baltimore didn't have the ball enough. Uh, particularly in that fourth quarter, they didn't get the ball to anybody. No, and they only had the ball for 25 minutes the whole game. And so I think that made a a big difference because he can get the ball to Rice in a lot of different ways. We saw that. I, I just think that, you know, Baltimore has been winning a lot of close games. They were probably due to lose a close game because all those games they've been winning were just like the one that they lost to in Pittsburgh yesterday. Yeah, Pittsburgh's still an intriguing team to me. I've been saying it for a couple weeks. They were a confident team that had just the swagger you wanted a couple weeks ago when I was in there. Losing Roethlisberger kind of knocked them back like a punch-drunk boxer that gets stunned a little bit. But they're getting themselves. They're they're, they're writing themselves. They're running the ball real well. They've got Troy Palomalu back. If they can get Roethlisberger back, the schedule they have, now it's not easy by any stretch, but you got San Diego. They're at Dallas. That's going to be a big game. That game with Cincinnati is going to be fascinating. Then they end up with Cleveland. Cincinnati, I've got again this week. Uh, that's an interesting team that's feeling its oats right now. Uh, it's kind of getting interesting with those teams. And I think they could be teams, I'm talking about Pittsburgh now, as we've seen the last couple of years, teams that kind of struggled, kind of fight their way in the playoffs and hit their stride like New York did last year, like Green Bay did the year before that, that could make them very dangerous. Well, it does because, you know, these are these teams that are 7-5, and five, and 7-5 and five says, okay, we're, we're doing pretty good, but now this is December. Now there's not a chance to do pretty good. we got to win three out of the next four games. If they can win three out of the next four, then they've got a shot to be a playoff team. They can't go 2-2, two and two. and so I think the pressure is going to be on because a lot of those 7-5 and five teams and 6-6 six and six teams are going to be playing each other the next three weeks. Well, that's going to do it for the Coach's Show podcast. You can download the Coach's Show podcast from iTunes or go to NFL.com slash podcast. Also be sure to catch the Coach's Show on the NFL Network every Monday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Thanks for listening, everybody.